for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. You, between you, me, the tree, rock, everything. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 49 of Blue Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And sadly, no Will Witten this week. Will got called off for a very important occasion. His dad is getting married tomorrow, so Will had to go out of town for that and understandably couldn't record. But it's not just me. Thankfully, it's not just me. I called in a good buddy of mine, my brother in the force, my fellow rogue winner, Johnny Grasso himself. Uh, wait. What do you mean, Will's not here? Oh, oh! You don't want to do the podcast with me if Will's not here. No, no. I mean, you. I thought Will was going to be here. Well, you know, I had. I mean, that's what I had to do to get you to come on. Is I had to promise you that you could stare um, Will right in the face. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I miss Will. I just don't know after... I, I just feel a little uncomfortable after, you know, the voicemail. To oh, be alone with you in a podcast. Yeah, yeah. that I understand that. I, I calmed it over. I, I smoothed the, the whole thing over. I, I used a nice little bit of hand relief on him. And, you know, he understands our situation now. <laughs> he understands that he can't chain me down to just one podcast. I've got to spread my podcast wings and fly. <laughs> all right. So how you been, buddy? I've been good. How have you been? I've been all right. I've been all right. I've been <laughs> fucking crazy busy at work. But other than that, I've been all right. Yeah, I hear you. I have also been quite busy at work. Um, in fact, I would say as far as week at work goes, this was probably my worst week in a while. But that's all done now. It's all wrapped up. Doing some Blue Harvest podcasting. Fucking, it'll be all good from here. Might even get to play some goddamn Xbox this weekend. Oh, no, really? Yep, that's the, the plan. The return of Hawes? Yeah, might actually use that Xbox Live Gold account for something for once. Can you play tonight? Um, it You know, it depends on how long this takes to get wrapped up, but I, I'm planning on cracking open that DC Universe online and giving it a spin. Oh, I gotta download that. 
Yeah, we can be superheroes together. Um, sounds like fun. So, <clears throat> uh, this week we've got some emails to cover from some of our good Blue Harvest listeners. Um, we got a little news to cover. Um, nothing monumental. We're in what I like to call the dark times. After a trailer comes out, there's always a lull in news. Um, oh, something that exciting happened just yesterday. Third episode of Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast for winners released. I heard of that show. Yeah, I think you might have heard of that, huh? Yep, I got my email today. Nice. Thank- yeah, yep. Amanda Ward saved my ass on that one. Yeah, I... Uh, I had to talk to Amanda Ward uh, some today. Uh, she had some suggestions for how our feed should look and stuff. So I got that straightened out. Like, So it's looking all nice and, and uniform now. She is a uh, a fountain of information when it comes to this kind of stuff. I'm thankful she's there to help uh, me out because I'm kind of a dumbass. Nah, yeah, <laughs> she's, she's been great. She's been great. So... Um, How's your week been besides work and, and all those things? Anything exciting happen in the world of Johnny? Yeah, uh, I've been walking my dog a lot more. I've been walking my dog Chewbacca a lot lately. Is that a euphemism for something? No, no, like no. literally, like uh, my 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 dog Chewbacca, and yeah, you know he's a little older now he's 63 in dog years he turned nine april 14th uh he's a cancer survivor he beat cancer like about five or six months ago and I'm, i don't know i'm just trying to keep him like healthy in shape yeah what kind of dog is he i've seen pictures is he a, a lab or a golden retriever he is a yellow lab however um there's got to be some like golden retriever in his like bloodstream he's definitely like got golden retriever tendencies for sure he looks a little bit like vincent from lost yeah oh no doubt yeah i gotta love the house the the house the lost references man i am i'm rife with lost references if there's something i can do almost as well as star wars references it's lost references nice well uh do you want to what i'm gonna let you uh decide do you want to do emails first or do you want to do news first you know what? Since uh, we do emails last on Rogue One, let's uh, switch let's do it up it first. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's let's let's, let's throw a curveball to the, to the people that uh, <clears throat> that listen to both. We'll mix it up. Yeah, and uh, this week we've got three excellent emails. We've got one from Lauren, one from our buddy King Tom, who unfortunately sent his email in moments after we recorded last week. So I emailed him emailed him back and told him that he just missed it. So we'll cover that. And, of course, our good buddy, Joe. So um, give me just one second, and I'll pull those up. Nice. All right. So first up, we have our buddy, King Tom, since we last uh, lost his email last week, or missed it, rather. <clears throat> and this is what Tom has to say. Great job last week, as always. And not just because you image-searched Kia D. Mundy and came up with dick pics. I apologize if the following is a little long-winded. Loved the conversation at the end regarding Yoda versus Palpatine. This issue is one of my favorite things about the prequel trilogy. The idea that the Sith were pulling the long con on the Jedi is a solid part of the prequel trilogy story. And I agree with Halls. The Jedi in the prequel trilogy are not the Jedi at their best. 
The Force is a living thing, like Qui-Gon told Obi-Wan, and is paying the Jedi back for generations of complacency and not involving their views. But it also provided the galaxy with Anakin to make things right in the long run. The Revenge of the Sith novel, which is still canon, right, talks about this a lot, a lot, especially during the Yoda City Stool and the Master's meditation on Polis Massa. The no- novel states the Jedi lost long before Yoda's birth because they were fighting the last war. The Sith had changed while the Jedi did not. After all, the dark side is not more powerful, but is quicker, easier, more seductive. Kind of related to this is what Yoda says when he spoke with Ezra on Rebels this season, that the Jedi lost because they fought in the Clone Wars. They fell into the trap and fell apart. So, was there any way out of it? I'm not sure. There are three big things the Jedi had wrong. Yoda realized in his duel with himself during the final episodes of the Clone Wars that you had to acknowledge the dark side. You couldn't ignore it and pretend it wasn't there. During Attack of the Clones, Anakin says he views compassion as loving everything in contrast to what the rest of the Jedi believe. Three, the Jedi were too involved in politics and the Republic. Maybe philosophically, had the Jedi not realized the first two items too late and had stayed out of the galactic affairs, they wouldn't have fallen into the Sith trap. But who knows? They still would have had Kia D. Mundy serving on the council, and that dickhead would have given half the galaxy his lunch credits to Sidious, so maybe there was no way out of it after all. What do you guys think? Thanks for reading your pal, King Tom. Man, this Yoda Sidious thing, I think, is going to come up for a little while now. Uh, I think we started something. Not that it's not been talked about before, but damn, it seems like we set off a firecracker of discussion with that one. Thanks, Goose. Yeah, what a... Yeah, Goose, I'm with you, Goose. I'm with you, but let's get to King Tom's question here. Um, There's so many. So... <clears throat> Yeah, where where do you want to focus? Okay, so I can answer one really quickly. Uh, He mentions the Revenge of the Sith novelization and asks if it's still canon. I believe it is still canon. Um, Anything that is not in the movie, though, I believe is in danger, but only if it contradicts something that comes out, you know, down the road. If there's something that comes out that contradicts one of those little side bits of information that you know the novels always have that aren't in the movie then those won't be considered canon anymore it's a little complicated but it's sort of what they have to do to make sure everything fits together cohesively now let's focus on the concept of is there any way the jedi could have avoided falling into the sith trap and you know being almost completely wiped out and evil taking over the galaxy for, you know, 20-something years. And by the Sith trap, uh, you and and the king mean how they got in, uh, involved with politics, right? Yeah, got involved in politics, but mainly I think, well, yeah, the, the politics side of the thing and getting involved in the Clone War. I think that was probably, you know, not great for them either. It's a tough question, right? <clears throat> I like these. Master, uh, so, how do you say it? Cephidius? Cephidius? Yeah, Cephidius. Yeah. That was a shock to Obi-Wan, correct? 
that he was involved with the clones. Right. And the Clone Wars, the cartoon, shed a little light into his backstory, correct? Right. But we never really realized, we never really found out what he was doing it for. Right. I, you know, that is a good. <clears throat> I know that there is that, you know, it's all in that Yoda arc that he brought up. The whole Sifo-Dyas thing sort of comes up and that. But I still don't feel like I have a good grasp on what the hell was going on. Was it really Sifo-Dyas or was it someone like Dooku pretending to be Jedi Ma- Master Sifo-Dyas? For some reason, I guess that's what I thought for a long, long time that Dooku just present- pretended to be this other Jedi Master to place the order for the clones, you know? But I don't yeah. think that's what happened, right? Yeah, so we really don't really know. But I think the reason why I brought it up is because I think the answer to King Tom's question lies within the mystery of Master Sifo-Dyas. Because I feel that Obi-Wan and Yoda got involved in the Clone Wars because the path was already started. So maybe they were manipulated kind of uh, subconsciously uh, years before with uh, Master Sifo-Dyas. Master Sifo-Dyas. Sifo-Dyas. Right. So I think that kind of pulled the trigger because it seemed like a gift. Remember Obi-Wan said, wow, like, or uh, I forget, actually, I forget who said it, but they think they said it to Yoda, like, wow, they're pretty lucky we had all these clones. Oh, right? that was Obi-Wan. He was like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky uh, that uh, those clones were there or else we wouldn't have won. And Yoda's like, I don't know if I'd call it lucky, bro. Right. And, and so I think that's the key to King Tom's answer right there. That's that's the key to the answer. Yeah. Well, I think the clone. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I was just going to say, I think. Palpatine's long con, um, I think he got exactly what he wanted. He wanted to get the Jedi in a position that they shouldn't be in and weaken them as a whole. And, you know, I think that long con um, was going on well before the Phantom Menace even, you know. Um, right. So, so if, okay, so if my, Master sifo did place the order for the clones... Then he died, they say, about 10 years before right. Attack of the Clones, which means he died probably shortly after The Phantom Menace, right? Because I think The right. Phantom Menace is 10 years before. Right, so right, exactly. So I think, you know, uh, the whole trade blockade that's going on in um, in The Phantom Menace, I think, is palpatine's first big move at getting all this shit started now you mentioned he did it to weaken or distract the jedi do you uh do you think that was to gain control of the living force or to gain control of the uniform uh the universe through the senate i think it was more that he knew if the jedi around were around there's no way he could get what he wanted and plus he's a sith as being a sith he wants to eliminate the jedi and he knows that no matter how powerful he may be, no matter how powerful his apprentice may be, they're not going to be able to take on all the Jedi, just the two of them. So get them involved in a war. Naturally, there's going to be Jedi casualties, so that's going to wipe some of them out. You know what I'm saying? And then 
getting them involved in this and and them not being what they should be as far as a Jedi goes, I think is what weakens them. When they say in Attack of the Clones that their ability to use the Force is diminished, I think that's because they're not being proper Jedi. You know what I mean? Right, right. So I think, like I said, I think his long con has been going on since probably he was young. You know, I know those Plagueis books aren't canon anymore, so it's hard to say really what Palpatine's backstory was or is now in the canon. But in the Plagueis books, you know, he's been sort of groomed from a young age, almost like how Anakin grooms uh, or Palpatine grooms Anakin and how uh, it seems like Snoke may have groomed Kylo from a young age. So, you know, very similar sort of mirroring circumstances as Star Wars likes to do. Um, <clears throat> could the Jedi have avoided it? I think they could have, but, well, on, on one hand, from us on the outside, looking in, if the Jedi avoid it, then you don't have Star Wars. What story, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know, yeah. But on an in-universe uh, point, from an in-universe point of view, rather, I think they could have avoided it, but I also wonder... If, you know, it's been set in, like, this was destined to happen. Like, the Jedi needed to be knocked down a peg and, and humbled. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, the Jedi are supposed to be the paragons of good and justice in the galaxy. And, right. And they got away from that. And, you know, if, if that line from the Revenge of the Sith novel is correct and that the Jedi you know, fell years before the Phantom Menace because they got involved in the war with the Sith, um, then, you know, it's probably something that's been coming for a long time. And it's just something that had to happen to help reset the Jedi Order to what it should be and to bring balance to the Force and eliminate the Sith. So, you know, it sucks, of course, you know, all the Jedi get wiped out and fucking evil rules the galaxy but it's it's sort of a necessary evil almost to balance the force out and get the jedi back to where they should be have you ever heard of the theory it's called the law of retarding lead no the law of retarding lead is a uh historical theory it basically means if you're on top right your lead slowly diminishes. For example, if you make the best automobiles in the world, you're not going to try and do better. You're going to keep pumping out like the Ford Model T over and over again. Until and it's going to look, it's going to same car. And it's not until, you know, General Motors or someone else comes along and starts competing with you, then you're like, oh my God, I got to get better. Ah. So, so maybe the Jedi went through the law of retarding lead where they got too complacent. Kind of like, let me think of a historical reference. The Well, I, I can think of one that's not historical. It's more pop cultural. But think about Nintendo in the 80s, okay? Mm -hmm. um, Nintendo in the 80s, there was a huge video game crash in 83. And people thought that was it for video games. Well, Nintendo comes along, releases the uh, NES, and it's a huge blockbuster hit. And they rested on their laurels, and who comes along uh, a few years later? Sega. Later, 
exactly with the Sega Genesis and they provided uh you know through marketing mainly through marketing they they positioned themselves as being the more adult alternative to um Nintendo they had those ads that I remember from when I was a kid that were Sega does what Nintendo don't like they started <laughs> taking shots at Sega they had Sonic you know um but if, let's be honest short lived lead um, I think in the end, you know, Nintendo definitely won out on that. But I don't know. What's some other, you know, the Roman Empire? Yeah. Right? I mean, if we're going for yeah. historical examples, I think that would be a good one, right? No, that's exactly it. Uh, the Roman Empire was on top of the world to the point where Roman citizens thought they were too good to fight their own battles. So they would ha- they would you know hire barbarians or use the uh, former peoples that they conquered to be their army. Well, obviously those armies weren't fighting as hard or defending as hard as the Roman citizens did or would, because they were like, uh, yeah, we don't really love Rome, so right. you guys <laughs> want to take this wall? You go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, why would we uh, do your work for you? Right. Yeah, I think that's a good example. So, so yeah, the law of retarding lead. There you go, Blue Harvest listeners. Yeah, I mean, little did I know my buddy Johnny was going to bring some fucking high-quality facts to this. That was excellent. Yeah, that, that's definitely uh, that's definitely something I've never said in the course of conversation before. That's nice. something. <laughs> Got some original shit there. Yeah, that's something like uh, I, I, I only uh, read once or twice. That's something I never thought I would say to my Star Wars buddies or just buddies in general. So, um, thanks for the email, Tom. We're going to move on to the next one. Uh, This one is from Lauren, and she says, The lovely Halls and Will. Please keep Sir Goose Payne as a guest on the podcast. His country ass is hilarious. I knew people were going to love Goose once we finally got him. Hey, man. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. You got to get that white bread, slick, thick slice of bologna. (laughs) I feel like... Oh, man. (laughs) I feel like the... That maybe I am the female version of him, but I don't know n- dick about guns and cars, even though my dream car is an Aston Martin Vanquish or a DBS V12. I don't know jack squat, but I can drink. Don't forget <laughs> to mention Magic City Comic Con for me, June 10th to 12th at Hyatt Regency, Birmingham. It's $25 for a weekend pass for adults. Not a bad deal, huh? Thank you for mentioning us previously, too. No problem. Okay, so I have some questions and maybe some theories. I'm fairly new to the Star Wars universe. My favorite Star Wars movies movie is and always will be Episode 5. I thank my amazing dad for that. So, if I get oh. off on some wild tangent that doesn't make any sense, please excuse the, excuse the lengthiness of this email and my misinformation. So, I think we should probably just take these one by one. It seems like she's going to have a few points. Great. First off, I'm reading an article that was written by Cinema Blend quoting Andy Serkis' interview with Entertainment Weekly. It states that Supreme Leader Snoke is, in reality, Darth Plagueis. It quotes Serkis saying that the character was aware of the events from the earlier films and but was a new addition to the storyline. Also, if you brought it up, I again apologize. If that is the case, the Sith Rule of Two, as Yoda mentions at the end of Episode 1 during Qui-Gon's funeral, would apply, correct? 
Darth Plagueis's apprentice was Darth Sidious. Darth Sidious's apprentices were Darth Maul and Darth Vader. Don't forget about Dooku. After Maul dies. My first question is, based on the Sith rule of two, did Darth Vader, not Anakin, because he had Ahsoka as a Padawan, learner in the Clone Wars, have any apprentices? If so, do you think that we will find this person out in Rogue One? And do you think that this person will be brought up in Episode 8 and 9? Personally, I don't think that Plagueis is Snoke, only because it looked like it was a hologram and not a Force Ghost type thing. What are your thoughts? Okay, so we'll get to this one first. She's got two more points after this. So, I really don't think that Plagueis is Snoke. Um, And and I could, you know, in a couple years' time, I could have egg all over my face about that. But, you know, for one, and I, I believe it's still canon... Uh, Darth Plagueis is immune. The if you know the banking clan in Attack of the Clones and um, Revenge of the Sith, that race, that alien race that's got like the long, sort of oval-shaped head-looking deal. He's right, Im- but he's immune. Ahead, I'm sorry, he's immune. That's the, he's immune. But where did that come from? Uh, that came from books and stuff. Um, right. Well, which books? That's important. Uh, it's not in new canon books. That is true. It's in new canon books. It's not. Oh, then you got to get rid of it. But I, if I could be wrong about this, I believe that Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter said that canically, Plagueis is still immune. So even though those books aren't considered canon anymore, what he was, what race he was as an alien is considered canon. You see what I'm uh, you saying? You know, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's uh, uh, that was a perfect place for you to jump in. Yeah, uh, Pablo's got to stop. He's got to stop his Twitter shit because Pablo is a member of the story group and he is great on answering things uh, to like for clarification. Like he probably has every piece of new canon in his brain filed away, but. It can change at any time unless it's in print. So I guess what I'm trying to say is Plagueis being immune is not canon right now. And Pablo was probably, you know, answering someone on Twitter isn't canon. Pablo was trying to maybe just help someone out or he's like, no, no, like he's immune as of now. But if the story group convenes and don't forget, you know, it's more than Pablo. There's I, there's probably like a dozen people on there when, you, when it all comes down to it. They can change it at any time. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I I get you. And I understand that. And would it bother me if Snoke turns out to be Plagueis? No, it wouldn't. But I I feel like, and honestly, I feel like this is the main reason it won't be Plagueis. Is because even though there were a few references to the prequels in The Force Awakens, I don't think they would tie The Force Awakens to, or, you know, this new trilogy, rather, to the the prequels in that way because this disney is without coming out and saying it they're definitely trying to distance themselves from the prequels a little bit wouldn't you uh, say i i would say practical effects a thousand times right I agree with you right a hundred percent uh i yeah i i don't think uh snoke is plagueis at all either but i'm 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 very strong on the fact that no longer until it's in until it's said in a new canon book or film Plagueis is just Plagueis he's not anything but what uh 
Ian McDermott said in episode three. Right. So I'm going to hold fast to that. And Pablo needs to stop on Twitter because he, I know he's trying to help, but all he's doing is really causing kind of like almost more issues. Right. And sometimes when I get the answer, like I'm actually disappointed because I really liked, you know, discussing it and theorizing it myself. And it was given us as fans two years of like, uh, content. Yeah, content to chew on. And instead, like someone tweets him and he answers it, and you're like, oh, oh, okay. It's almost as if he's doing more bad than good. And, I, and I'm not saying. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know, you know, it, it really is a case by case basis with, with me, whether I think, you know, it's a good thing or not. One thing, and I'm surprised we didn't talk about this on the show, you know, there was some speculation about that, that uh, bucket for lack of a better term of ashes that Kylo puts his helmet in, in the force awakens. Right. And perfect example. Hawes. My uh, theory was that it was the ashes of Darth Vader, which is is, way cooler than the truth. Right. And it wasn't Pablo that said it. It was JJ. JJ. Yeah. JJ said that those are actually the ashes of all the enemies he's killed. Which, okay, that's kind of cool, but not as cool as it be in Vader's ashes with him having the burnt up helmet and stuff. Right. So Especially I, since, yeah, right. And, and, and that's one of those cases where the fan theories about it being Vader's ashes and stuff, I think is cooler than the actual explanation. Right. And, and that's a perfect example of what Pablo Hidalgo has done several times on Twitter and JJ did with that one. And especially since the fact that obviously he got that helmet from Endor. So it's very right. easy to believe that it was in a pile of ash or when he picked up the helmet and like turned it upside down, kind of like what you were expecting when Boba Fett picked up Jango Fett's helmet, <laughs> like something to plop out. Oh, right. The, the ashes of his head <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. fell out into this bucket that he likes to keep in his room. Yeah, like it, it all made perfect sense. But then, like you said, they ruined it. And, oh. and Cineblend is garbage. Let's just, I just, Lauren, Cineblend is, is clickbait garbage. Yeah. They're, 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 I swear to God, sometimes I feel like they watch makingstarwars.net and then they take it and they just change the story and then make it their own. Like change one little fact and make right. it their own. Usually well, more like absurd. That's what I was going to say is, uh, Lauren, if you want a, a reliable site for star wars news rumors speculation and spoilers making starwars.net that's your one-stop shop for all things star wars and i I would recommend them over cinema blend or uh any of those other sites if you want accurate information they've got a they've got a proven track record with their accuracy at this point they got a lot of hate leading up to the force awakens people thinking they were making stuff up and all that stuff. Well, it was true. All of it. Who um, is the uh, Who is the the guy who um, really went after Jason Ward, and he did the Star Wars crawl and said uh, bad things about him? Adam Heatherly. Yes, Adam Heatherly Ooh. went off on a tangent about like he's he's from the South, right? And and he was like, "Hey, no, be he, careful." He gives. God. No, I'm just saying, be careful. From the south. No, I'm not saying anything bad. I know, I know. Did just yes, just two days ago, I told you that I relate more to my southern friends than my northern Yankee friends. I gotcha. Come on, man. 
but uh, he he was he was very emphatic that Jason was wrong because and he kept saying over and over again, like how how can they have Luke Skywalker in all these ads and and him only be in the film for for a minute? Mm-hmm. He goes, that's impossible. Why would Luke Skywalker be? And he just went on and on and on and on. Right. And then fucking there you go. You watch fucking the Phantom Menace. Son of a bitch doesn't even have a line. Nope. He doesn't so, even have more than two expressions. So her question about the rule of two, as far as Vader having any apprentices, um, in uh, the previous canon, it's not considered canon anymore, Vader did have an apprentice. Um, and it was in um, the Force Unleashed games. Um, as far as canon, I don't think Vader is going to have an apprentice because I think once Vader meets Luke and finds out that Luke is his son, originally before he gets pulled back to the light side, his goal is to have Luke as an apprentice. And then the two of them will overthrow the Emperor. Right. Um, can can we just get rid of the fucking rule of two? Because it's the only rule that we know of the Sith, and they all fucking break it. Right. It all, I mean, because, yeah, in the comics, you know, They've the Marvel comics, uh, the, the Emperor doesn't have other apprentices, but he has these weird... Like um, almost apprentices, like these weird scientific experiments, and there's like a Mon Calamari with a, a Grievous body. It's dumb. It's real dumb. Yeah, um, I saw the picture. And you know, in Rebels, they have the the Inquisitors, which aren't apprentices, but I mean, they might as well be. I know that's just sort of a creative way to bring more dark side Force users in to. Um, have you know your characters have people to have cool ass lightsaber fights with, but it's, it seems like it's skirting the rules of the rule of two. So um, I, I honestly, I'd like to see him get rid of the rule of two uh, going forward, especially if they bring the Sith back in the sequel trilogy, just so we can have massive Jedi on Sith battles. Man, that's what I want. All right, let's get to her second point. She says, secondly, my friend tagged me in something on Tumblr regarding J.J. Abrams saying that Ray's parents weren't in Episode 7. My response back to her is that she is perhaps Old Man Kenobi's child since he had four stre- since she had four streams of him when she touched the lightsaber in Maz Kanata's place. That would make her Force-sensitive, right? Now, okay... So, J.J. Abrams saying that she's not Ray's parents, he went back on that immediately after. It seemed like as soon as he got off stage, the reporter from EW approached him, and he went back on that. Anthony Bresnikin. Yes. So, um, I don't think I can just see it now. Anthony Bresnikin was like, "Uh, J.J., come here. (laughs) Come Uh, on, man. We really got to talk. You got to help old Brez out. No, I think think Bresnikin knows a lot. I think he oh, knows. Yeah. I'm sure a he lot. does. I think he knows the answers, and I think he's so friendly with JJ. He said, uh, "Dude, we uh, we need to cover this." Like I think it's actually Anthony Bresnikin's idea to call JJ over and be like, "Dude, you fucked up. We need to clear this up, dude." Uh, you could be right. Now, I'm just saying that because of the two contradicting statements, we can't take either statement as true. I think I don't think you can take the statement that her parents aren't in it or that he, you know, the statement where he went back on it. I don't think you can take either of those as true just because he did go back on the first statement. 
Well, I, I have to disagree. I think one of them has to be true. I mean, Your one of them are is either in the film or they're right. not in the film. Absolutely, that you're exactly right. One of those answers is true, but I'm just saying we can't take either of them as the definitive answer right now. Is what I mean. Um, I think the, obviously we we know she's not Obi Wan's child. It's either it's a, a descendant of Obi Wan. Right. She couldn't be Obi Wan's kid because that means she would have to be bef- born. Like, you know, obviously it would have to be right before A New Hope or something because... She'd be older than Luke. Yeah, she's too, she, she's too young. Or, she, yeah, she's too young to be Obi-Wan's exact heir. Now, oh, my God. What if... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Here's some stupid Cineblend theory. You uh-oh. ready? Uh-oh. What if Obi-Wan isn't human? What if he's like uh, a race like Chewbacca and it just ages differently? And maybe Ray isn't nineteen. Maybe Ray is a hundred nine. that is some cinema blend craziness, there, Johnny. That is some cinema blend bullshit. <laughs> you, hey man, do you think they're hiring over there at Cinema Blend? You could get a job. I apparently all you have to do is just make shit up, fucking throw a picture on it, and people click on it, and then you get paid. So I can do that for a living. You know what's funny uh, when you mentioned that they're sort of clickbaity. Do you? Um, when you're on your social medias and stuff, get, you know, suggested articles. And every time I see one that's like 10 facts about star Wars or 10 things you missed in the force awakens, I take it as a personal challenge. Like, Oh yeah. Right. Like, I don't know what they're going to tell me. And nine out of 10 are so dumb. Right. Exactly. But like, let me ask you a question. Okay. Sorry. Uh, you know, the alleged grave, at the end of the Phantom Menace, that Luke is standing. Oh God, the Phantom Menace, the Force Awakens, that Luke is standing in front of. Yes. Do you think it's a grave, or do you think it's just a rock? I think it's just a rock. I can see why people might think it's a gravestone, but like, I fr- I froze it several times, like when I watched it at home on DVD, and I'm like, you can't tell what the fuck that is. You know, that was one of the things, like, when we all went to see The Force Awakens the night it opened and came back to my house and we were all talking about it, half the room was like, did you see that grave? And I didn't even notice it on the first go. I was too busy looking at Luke Skywalker's beautiful goddamn hair and that beard. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think it was a grave just because I think it's just an unfortunately positioned rock. And I say unfortunately because the way it juts out, it does sort of make it look like it stands out a little bit, but not to the point where I think it's a grave. Um, I wonder if anyone ever asked Pablo on Twitter. That's a good question. I would ask him, but his ass never responds to me. I even sent him a picture of my cat last weekend. Walter? Yeah, man. He, he uh, Pablo has a cat named Walter. And I was like, oh, shit, this is my end with Pablo. So I tweeted him a picture of Walter, and I was like, I've got a Walter, too. Nothing. Cold-blooded, that Pablo. (laughs) All right, so we got a third point here from uh, Lauren. Thirdly, I can't believe that I'm bringing this up. We know that John Williams isn't going to be around forever unless he comes back as a force ghost. Who do you see stepping up in his place? My favorite composer is and always has been Danny Elfman, but I'm I'm not sure he would be the right choice. Finally, please bring back Jesse. Oh, we will. And I still love Kylo Ren. Guys dig me. Lauren. So. Oh, wait. Hold on. 
Yes, awesome sir. sign off, Lauren. Right? She's she's taking a page out of the Johnny book right there. That's pretty cool. She took two pages out. Did you catch the uh the Danny Elfman? Oh, I don't get what what's the deal? Oh, oh, all right. Well, if you've the, ever that's uh, right. if you ever heard of a podcast called Rogue One, uh Star Wars podcast for winners? Uh recently we came out with episode 3 and we actually tackled the same subject matter and I said I wanted Danny Elfman to do the rest of the Star Wars films. Because I'm such a huge fan of uh, Tim Burton. Right. And uh, I said, we'll just make this real quick. If if you want to hear us discuss it uh, at more length, download the third episode of Rogue One, Star Wars podcast for winners. There Uh, you go. My choice uh, is uh, Michael Giacchino from Lost. Uh, I think he, and you know, that's not all he's done. He did both the Star Trek movies for J.J. He did, uh, he does a lot of the Pixar movies. And things like that. So he's got some experience working with Disney through Pixar. And he's got some experience working with uh, Bad Robot with the Star Trek movies. And I think he probably did Super 8 as well. Um, And I just think specifically the Lost soundtracks, they don't sound like they're copying Star Wars by any means. But to me, it's very John Williams inspired in some parts. Yeah, I don't uh, know if I'm saying this word right, but it's like orchestral 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 there right. you go nice um and i don't know i mean you know at some point um whenever someone takes over for john williams we are going to get a different sounding star wars soundtrack it'll be interesting to see rogue one because uh alex alexander desplot is doing the uh, score for that movie and i'll be really interested to see if he is just going to be taking pages out of the John Williams Star Wars songbook and just remixing them and retooling a little bit, or if he's going to do take it off in his own sort of way. Isn't and, that what John Williams does, though? Except for Duel of Fates. Can't you trace every almost every Star Wars major theme and song to the original trilogy, main themes, the Force theme, the introduction theme, Invaders theme, the Imperial March. Yeah, I mean, you can to a certain extent. I, I do agree with that, but it's just, he does it so well. You know? Yeah, because well, um, that's the part that gets me excited. Right, right. And, you know, you know uh, would they be better served in getting someone that's just going to sort of try to emulate John Williams? Or would they be better served moving on to sort of a new direction? Um, I think at the end of the day, it always needs to be orchestral and definitely not like, you know, current pop songs or, or electronica music or something. I just don't see that working. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, thanks for the email, Lauren. And now we're going to move on to our last one. It's our buddy Joe, an excellent Blue Harvest uh, listener who likes to write in. This is Joe from Buffalo, right? It is. How's uh, how's Buffalo doing in the draft? They got uh, a defensive end last I saw. I forget his name. How's your team doing in the draft? I hate the first pick. Really? Um, I'm a, for you guys listening, I'm a New York football giant fan. And they got uh, Eli Apple, cornerback. Uh, I I don't know. They they could have gotten him in like the late first round, and they got him with a tenth overall pick. So that pissed me off. But um, they got um, what's his name, receiver out of uh, I think is uh, Ohio State, Sterling Shepard. Is it? I think. Right. But uh, I love the fact that it's like I think he was the second or third re- wide receiver taken, and. Uh, 
that that would be great for Odell Beckham. Like get a little uh get some heat off him. Well, here we go. Here's our buddy Joe, Buffalo Bills fan Joe. Hi, Halls and Will. Well, it's Halls and Johnny, but I'll uh, give your regards to Will. Uh, I don't like to talk about myself, but I'm flattered and humbled by the praise you two plus Goose and Steve gave me in your last podcast. I'm sure there are hundreds of listeners out there who can provide opinions even more insightful than mine. They should email you at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com and share just a random thought or opinion which you two will run with and turn into another great conversation. Frankly, anyone who listens to and enjoys your podcast is highly likely to be intelligent and should write you. Well, thanks, Joe. So it's the Sunday night after the podcast when you had Steve and Goose as guests. This happened to be the same weekend when I watched Return of the Jedi along with the commentary from Collider Movie Talk. For fans who are not aware of it, they should just Google Collider Jedi Talk to discover another great source of Jedi or Star Wars news. I bring up the com- commentary of Return of the Jedi because it generated a thought I didn't have until after listening to Will and Goose debate Palpatine's power. I haven't formulated a concrete opinion on your stances yet, but as a tease, the line in question is when Palpatine arrives upon the Death Star and says, Rise, my friend. I must cr- consult my crippled ghost before ah. sharing my thoughts on your debate, but I'll get there soon. <clears throat> As if this email isn't long enough, I wanted to share two more thoughts. You discussed hot sauces and mentioned Frank's Red Hot by name. Here's the best hot sauce recipe. Pour some Frank's from some regular Frank's Red Hot sauce into a pan on the stove. Add a bit of butter. I hope it goes without saying, but you should turn on the stove's burner to melt the butter. The sweeter you want your hot sauce, the more butter you should add. Then add some garlic and pour it on your wings. You're welcome. Joe, buddy, that's exactly, exactly how I make my wings, and they are fucking delicious. Number two, my favorite new Star Wars character is Rey, followed closely by Finn. But Poe Dameron steals the camera whenever he's in the scene. I can't wait for Poe and Ray to share a scene. You know what? That's something I haven't thought about with uh, episode eight going forward is Poe and Ray didn't get any scenes together in episode seven, and we'll probably get to see that in episode eight. So that is exciting. Regarding Poe, I wanted to share another movie for your fans if they are fans of his. It's called Sucker Punch and is directed by Zack Snyder. It was a box office flop five years ago, but Oscar Isaac completely stole the show. This is quite the accomplishment considering how many scenes involve scantily clad women dancing. Make sure to watch the Blu-ray director's cut because it it's, makes so much more sense than the theatrical cut. Regardless, even if your listeners only want to watch the theatrical cut, Oscar Isaac is a real gem. If you can't get through the whole film, you should do to YouTube Love is a Drug slash Sucker Punch because Oscar Isaac delivers delivers again you're welcome with all that said long live dickhead kia d mundi joe well thanks for writing in joe joe hmm. just wrote in to give us a nice little uh wing sauce recipe which i use myself and uh to recommend a movie now joe buddy you know i think you're great i cannot back you up on this sucker punch love have you ever seen that movie johnny no but uh i will i'll uh i'll, I'll give it a shot if I can get my hands on the director's cut somehow, I'll check it out again. I, I'm pretty sure I've only seen the theatrical cut, and it uh, 
it, it wasn't great, in my opinion. Yeah, I heard it. I was excited when I heard about it. Yes, I was too. You know, because obviously 300 was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and Watchmen was pretty good. Oh, Watchmen. <laughs> fucking phenomenal. Loved fucking Watchmen. Um, it just, uh, I don't know. It didn't hit me. And, and, you know, no amount of scantily clad pretty w- ladies could really draw me in on the story, man. And, you nah, know, that's just lot. like Tuesday. <laughs> well, for you. For you, um, but I I heard like I said I heard bad things about it, so I, I never I never you know usually I trust when seven thousand people say it's horrible I'm like you know what I'm not gonna wait for the uh, the seven thousand first I'm just not gonna go see it. Um, it. But you know what I've seen that movie and it was only once and like I said it didn't really uh, uh, resonate with me for lack of a better term. But I don't remember Poe Dameron being in it or Oscar Isaac rather. So that alone may make me check it out again now that, you know, I know he was one of the characters and, you know, I agree with uh, him 100% on Poe, though, man. Poe steals the scenes when he's on screen. Such a great character. Yeah. Um, uh, Before I forget, uh, a great Oscar Isaac movie that I think uh, broke him out was uh, Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. Oh, really? I've never seen that. Oh, not a great movie. Better than Sucker Punch, I think, probably. Okay. But uh, an average movie, but Oscar Isaac plays the uh, shit. Who does he play? He plays the shit. Does he play the Sheriff of Nottingham? I don't know. Or does he play Prince John? I think he plays Prince John. Okay. He's the bad. He's one of the bad guys. He's not the main bad guy, but he's like, yeah, I think he's the brother of... King Richard the Lionheart, and he's like a fool, oh. and uh, he's really good in it. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out if I can get my hands on it. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not going to go out and buy the Blu-ray, but if it comes up on one of my streaming services, I'll check it out. Is yeah, that the one that was supposed to be sort of more of a a historically quote unquote accurate take on Robin Hood? I don't know if that's an oxymoron. Oh, I got gotcha. you. There's no historical significance to Robin Hood. Well, I gotcha. I gotcha. The only historical significance in the Robin Hood lore is he came from the Crusades, and the Crusades was a real thing. <laughs> and that's about it. I got you. I remember when I was a kid, I loved Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. The fucking Kevin Costner yeah, Robin dude. Hood with the, the Brian Adams fucking jam in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to some news now that we've covered our emails. Again, thanks, King Tom, Lauren, and Joe. Oh, you can, guys I, are can awesome. I add on to the Poe Dameron stuff? Oh, absolutely. My bad. You mentioned that he was a scene stealer in The Force Awakens, and I couldn't agree more, which makes me, makes it so hard to real, to uh, to hear that J.J. Abrams was going to kill him off, like when the uh, TIE fighter crashed. Right. I mean, the, the character... I was convinced from day one was the replacement of Han Solo. This is a guy who has nothing to do with the force, but he's a good guy and he's a fucking great fighter pilot. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be your next Han Solo. And I'm not the only person who made that connection. Right. Right. You know, it's like, Oh, Poe Dameron, he'll be the next Han Solo. He'll end up flying the Millennium Falcon. And to think that it wasn't up until a couple, what weeks, months, maybe before shooting that Poe Dameron became like, in the whole throughout the whole film and didn't die yeah you know what i honestly think that um 
had they gotten an actor that was not as charismatic as Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron would still be dead. Um, yeah, okay. I, I can see that. You know, I think once they got him uh, interested and got him involved, they were like, shit, he is gold. We got to keep him in, you know? Um, right. And, man, am I glad they did. I would have been bummed, um, especially after how strongly he starts in that movie. Um, but that's one of those things, like, they've got it in my brain that, you know, they were thinking about killing him before. That makes me wonder if he's not going to make it through this trilogy. Because um, I, and, I, so, and that's okay. Yeah. As long as we get a good, you know, some good stuff from him going forward. And like Joe said, I didn't even think about the fact that he and Ray don't have any scenes together. So that'll be cool to see. I was bummed that he and Han didn't really have any back and forth in The Force Awakens. No, just that last part. Like, there's a way to blow it up. There's always a way to blow it up. Yeah. Just yeah. That little part at the end. But, yeah. But I, I think Poe and Ray, maybe it maybe it won't happen still. Because to, from, uh, I don't know if you're spoiler free for uh, episode eight. Well, look. It's getting to the point now where I'm about to have to back away from Rogue One, um, the movie, uh, because, um, you know, spoilers are coming at a more intense pace for that movie now. So far, right now, I'm not to that point at Episode 8. I always get to the point where I feel like it's time to back away, uh, and it's when the more concrete stuff starts, you know, the the bigger things start coming out. So, um, I know that there's been the rumor or the scoop that uh, that Poe Dameron sort of takes control of the Resistance in Episode Eight Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, and, um, and, st- and has like a power struggle with Laura Dern. So right. I don't see Ray fitting into that storyline. Yeah, I, I, I think you may be right. It may be even, who knows when we'll, they'll finally get to meet up. It, I think it'll happen eventually, um, especially now that Han Solo is unfortunately out of the picture. I think you're right in that Poe will be serving sort of the Han Solo role going forward. And, you know, it just seems natural that he would meet up with um, Finn and Ray at some point in episode eight. Definitely Finn, but hopefully Ray. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think you'll see the trio together for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they really are supposed to be our new, you know, big three going forward. We got to see them in the Falcon together with Chewie. Chewie counts. Right, keep, of course. Why do we keep forgetting Chewie? The trio and Chewie. I know. I That always comes a bum, kind of bums me out um, when you say the big three, because poor old Chewbacca is just sitting, sitting there all sad. Like, I hope we get to see Chewbacca really wreck some force, First Order ass in this next movie after they took out Han Solo. Man. Man. They missed, <laughs> they missed an opportunity oh, with The Force Awakens, man. <laughs> missed an opportunity they should have had him go ape shit crazy that, when Han died that is when he should have been pulling arms out of sockets in my opinion just swinging stormtroopers oh arms over his head fucking wrecking shit but maybe in the next couple well how about we take a quick break and when we come back we'll cover a little news okay man what's up guys your good buddy Hall's here Sorry to interrupt the podcast like this, but it's for a very special occasion. Our good buddies, Stoned Cobra, the award-nominated Stoned Cobra, have a new album coming out. 
April 30th. If you're listening to The Day This Drops, that's tomorrow. That album, Armed and Hammered, will be available at their website, www.stonedcobra.com. In the meantime, to whet your appetite, they have generously given us a song to debut to our good Blue Harvest listeners, and I'm very excited to do it. If you guys like what you hear, please, please go buy the new album, Armed and Hammered. And while you're at it, pick up the other one, too, High and Mighty. That's uh, that's a lot of music for only 10 bucks. A lot of kick-ass music. Anyway, coming up now, we have from Stone Cobra's new album, Armed and Hammered, Caskets of the Blind Dead, on WNBC.
if that doesn't make you want to go pick up that album, I don't know what will. You could just sit at home with your fucking Bieber and your fucking Coldplay and whatever else. Come on, guys. Go buy it. Help us out. In fact, we may have a very special Blue Harvest bonus waiting in the wings for people who purchase the album. So if you do, save your receipt. Save your proof of purchase. And we may just have something for you. But now, back to the show. And we're back. So, Star Wars news this week is actually pretty episode 8 heavy. Um, the first thing up on the agenda is it came out this week that Ryan Johnson, the director of episode 8, had uh, some personal input on the storyline for the new uh, book Bloodlines that's coming out next week, the Leia book. Um, and I think that is pretty exciting. I think that is showing a willingness between the movie side of things and the publication side of things to work together to really make sure these stories fit together and pay off in a big way. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I'm just really excited about the the prospect that the episode 8 director was like, hey, let me give you a little few tidbits here and there to throw into this book that'll, you know, pay off in eight or maybe even further in episode nine. What do you think, buddy? Uh, I think they were just kind of checking on him, checking with him. I think that when they were shaping the stories, they didn't know where he was going to go with episode eight. So they needed to check with him. I don't think he was creatively adding to the story. I think they were like, hey, we, we want to do X, Y, and Z. Does that interfere with what you have planned? And I know you can't tell us because we're just lowly book writers, but can you just like, can we go in this direction? And he was probably just like, yeah, that's fine. I gotcha. Yeah. I mean, you may be very right. Yeah. And, you know, maybe gave them some tidbits here and there to be like, well, you can't really do that, but maybe you could do this. You know, I don't think he sat down, went through the entire transcript or manuscript of the book and was like, oh, you know what you should add? You know, I think I think it was just little bits here and there. I don't think we're going to read this book and suddenly we're going to have giant clues about what's going on. Um, But regardless, I'm excited. It's actually going to be the first uh, Star Wars book I've read in a, a little bit because I didn't finish Aftermath and. Well, no, you, I read the novelization for The Force Awakens. That's the last one I read. So, first one in a few months. And uh, hopefully it pays off. Um, but yeah, you know, it'll be, I, I think it'll be interesting more so once we see episode eight. You know, I don't think we're going to read this book and go, oh, that's definitely episode eight stuff. But maybe once we see episode eight, certain things will call back to the events of bloodlines or, you know, will interface in, in little ways here and there, you know, I don't think it's going to be anything huge. No, I think if if anything, it's going to go backwards. It'll, it'll flesh out and make the Phantom, uh, God damn the force awakens. (laughs) Jesus. It'll make the force awakens more interest, a more interesting watch. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? At a certain, to a certain extent, that's really what I want from these books. Give me something that, like, I can read the book and then watch The Force Awakens and then go, oh, that's cool. That's, you know. Yeah, if you're ever going to get me to read, I need to move forward. I need 
I would need the 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 bridge between episodes seven and eight, which I don't think Bloodlines is at all. I honestly, I I could be wrong, but I just feel like um, we're going to get you know little events, and not that Bloodlines is going to be little or insignificant, but I don't think it's going to fill in too many gaps because I think they're saving a lot of that to do is either uh in movie form or in you know some sort of show or animated series you know um so I think you know we're still a little ways off before we start getting the big pieces of what took place between Jedi and the Force Awakens and I think they'll give a, give us little stuff here and there to hold us over until you know the real big stuff happen but then again, maybe, you know, it was just a relative time of peace in those 30 years. Um, so who's to say? And to add to uh, the Ryan Johnson possibly contributing to the book, uh, look, I'm not a screenwriter and I'm not uh, a, a, a novel novelist, but I can tell you this from talking to a lot of people. Screenwriters look down upon novelists. Really? Like, yeah. Writing a novel is so much easier than writing a screenplay. Uh, the way that I that it, that it, the way that it was explained to me uh, by a screenwriter uh, with like real credits, real credits. Uh, he said, "Writing a book is like addition and subtraction. The laws, like the rules, are that simple." He said, writing a screenplay with all the rules and, and restrictions and things that you have to do, he said it's like the quadratic equation. Like it's like upper level algebra two calculus type shit. Like that's uh, – because when you sit down and write a book, you can go off on a tangent left and right to the point where going off on a tangent is almost expected in novels now. Whereas a screenplay has to be like – very succinct and the way they explained it to me was every scene in a screenplay is like a link of a chain and it always has to be moving this the this uh the story forward every line of dialogue either has to move the plot forward or develop a character every scene has to have like certain elements and then every act has to have certain elements and then everything's got to come together everything's got to be going in like the same direction and he, it was really complicated where a book, you can just kind of sit down and kind of just like blah with like a loose storyline that you have to follow. Huh. Well, that's interesting. I never really thought of it that way. Look at you yeah, with so, some more insight. Yeah. So screenwriters are much more uh, math- mathematical mm-hmm. with their writing. There's, a, there's like a really hardcore structure they have to follow where – a novel's free verse so screenwriters are like dude whatever like i can write a book in like a minute whereas like you know very rarely do you see like a novel all right here's a perfect example here's a perfect example of my point they they give an oscar for best adapted screenplay Hmm. you know what i mean right they don't have they adapt a novel or a, a work of fiction into a screenplay to make the movie, right? Right. It's so difficult. There's an Oscar category for it. There's no Oscar category for best novel that turned into a movie. Well, you know, you bring up a good point because when I read the Game of Thrones books, I read, I started reading them before the show came on, 
took a break after the show came on, you know, read a, a couple more. Um, and, and as you're reading them, you know, there is a lot of people that complain, you know, you all, whenever there is an, uh, a movie or a show adaption of a book, uh, there's always going to be the people that are like, well, the book is better. And, you know, that's typically because, like you said, the book gets to go into so much more detail. But to take right. that source material, especially something as dense as Game of Thrones, and break it into, you know, 10-hour-long episodes for a book, I could see how that would be challenging to make sure you hit and and condense it down to the pertinent information. And, you know, make sure that you can still get the the purpose and the point of the book across in such a limited amount of time. You know what I mean? Because if you were to straight adapt each of those books, like, you know, each season would be fucking 50 seasons and there would be, or 50 episodes and there'd be 800 characters and all that crazy shit. So I can right. sort of see what you're saying. And last up uh, for news this week is Ryan Johnson related again. Um, I don't know if you guys out there know this, but Ryan Johnson is very active on social media. And this week he posted some pictures from the set of episode eight. This is the third or fourth time he's done that. And he also announced something that's pretty exciting that filming for episode eight is already halfway over, which is crazy to hear. Um, they started what in January or February and I think they're going to wrap up around July. So, um, I don't know. I'm just excited to hear that it's halfway over, even though, you know, we're a year and a half from seeing the movie, you know, they're already halfway done filming. Um, and the pictures he showed were, um, uh, what was it? It was an X-Wing. It was a pilot in one of the X-Wings, and a guy was, like, cleaning off the the cockpit window. And then another one looked like a first-order technician standing in front of sort of one of those, you know, technical readouts or whatever they are on the Star Destroyers. So, you know, nothing huge. We didn't see anything super crazy, but I just think it's cool that we're getting more stuff from set than we did before. Um and, uh, you know, man, I can't wait for that movie. I'm excited for Rogue One like crazy, but damn, episode eight is constantly on my mind. Um, I just, uh, man, I can't wait. Yeah, I, I really, um, I love Ryan Johnson. Me too, man. I have no idea what kind of filmmaker he is other than like the one or two films that I saw. I mean, obviously I like them, but didn't wasn't crazy about them. But I mean, like Ryan Johnson, the person, the Star Wars fan making a Star Wars movie. I just love it. Yeah. You know, um, so I've seen two. I think he's done three movies um, before episode eight, before he started working on episode eight. I he, saw Looper. I really liked Looper. Looper it, was good. Is it in my top five or even top ten movies of all time? No. But it's a solid uh, time travel movie. It's got some good action. It actually sort of reminds me of Blade Runner in some parts. Um, and I just thought it was real solid. I actually bought it on on Blu-ray. That's how much I liked it. It's a movie I will watch from time to time. Um, and I saw Brick. 
which was his first movie, which is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's like a, a noir high school murder mystery type deal. Um, and it was okay. Not really my sort of jam. Uh, I thought the acting and stuff was great. The writing was great. But it's it's very um, noir-like where they sort of talk like, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of talks like uh you know a detective from a cheesy 20s noir novel uh-huh. you know what i'm saying he calls ladies doll and and shit like that um and i've never seen the Bl- brothers bloom i think that's the movie he did in between brick and um looper so uh i like what we're hearing from interviews and stuff that it sounds like ryan johnson is doing something pretty unique with episode eight I'm sure it's still going to look and feel like Star Wars, but I also feel like this is where we're going to start moving forward into some sort of unknown territory. Um, Whereas, you know, I I still don't call Episode 7 a rehash of A New Hope, but I also don't deny the fact that it does draw heavily on the story beats and influences of A New Hope. Um, But I also feel like that is... It was necessary, you know what I'm saying, to to reset the universe and get everybody pumped and primed up for what's coming. You need to sort of remind people who maybe fell away from Star Wars because of the prequels of what it was about Star Wars that they love so much. So I think it was necessary, and unfortunately, it's just one of those things that people want to fucking harp on all the time when they talk about The Force Awakens. The only I didn't have a problem with it at all. But the only thing that that they really could have done differently was the whole Death Star three. You know you what? Know? I think if there had not been Star Killer Base, if they had done something different, um, you know, I think you're like exactly unleash right. a virus or yeah, biological warfare or yeah, or, or like a technological warfare since you're in a such a technologically advanced universe. You know, yeah, um, anything. To destroy uh, a planet. Like, just use your imagination. I understand the the reason you go with a super weapon. But even even in design, if they had made Starkiller Base and the, the super weapon two separate things and made it just look like something different, not a sphere, you know, I think they could have avo- uh, avoided a little bit of that rehash backlash. Yeah, um, I remember uh, making StarWars.net's, uh, now this is podcasting's The Catapult they described. Uh, the sledgehammer? Oh, no. Yeah. There well, was no. the catapult and the sledgehammer. Yeah, there was the array thing, right? It, you know, that was, I got to say, that I had so much fun in the days after The Force Awakens going back and reading all their spoiler posts and, and going back and listening to spoiler um, sections on their podcast, just hearing the progress of how their information evolved and hearing stuff that was originally going to be in the movie but got cut out, you know? And those two things, I all, I really like the concept of the Republic having sort of their own, or the Resistance, having their own super weapon in the Sledgehammer, which was, for people that don't know, it was going to be like um, uh, a battleship that could crash through Star Destroyers. Like it, it had some sort of shields or something, and it was basically like a battering ram. And they would just run through uh, Star Destroyers. Right? Am I getting the concept of that right? Yeah. And then the First Order also had something 
called the Array, which seemed like, I don't know, like a series of satellites that orbited around um, Starkiller Base that could create like a laser grid that at one point Hux uh, turns it on and it not only starts destroying all the X-Wings, but also takes out all the TIE Fighters too. And like Poe's uh, X-Wing squadron takes way more casualties, like almost gets completely wiped off out because of this array thing. Um, and it, part of the reason I'm bummed about them cutting that is because that would have been sort of the space battle. You know what I mean? We got, you know, we got dog fights and stuff, and they were really cool, especially I watched The Force Awakens um, just the other day again, and damn, when uh, the Resistance X-Wings come in on Takodana and start blowing up all the TIE fighters and shit, you know what I'm talking about? They come and save the day. Mm-hmm. Damn, that part is cool. Damn, that part is cool. Yeah, when Poe goes off. Mm-hmm. And Finn's like, "Woo, that's one hell of a pilot. I love that part. Uh, I, hate, I hate the line, though. I love the really? part I hate. I like that yeah, line. it was just so fucking cheesy. Uh, okay, maybe a little cheesy, but you know what? Star Wars, it's a little cheesy sometimes, and I got to be okay with that. See, now I'm on my, I think, fifth or sixth viewing at home. To go with the five times I saw it in the theater. So now now things are starting to bug me. Oh, yeah. And I hate to say it, but, like, most of them is, like, like you got a boyfriend? You got a cute boyfriend? Like, oh, really? Shit, lines like that. You're saying stuff that I actually like. Because, look, the, the, if, if I was Finn in that first situation, I'd try to suss out that information. I don't think you would. Because they're running through their lives. And yeah. Like, why, what, you got about Chiku? You got a boyfriend? You got a cute boyfriend? Like yeah, see now 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 things are starting to bug me. Yeah, like little little things, little things. But that's that's what I do, and and yeah. now I can say with utter confidence that the Force Awakens is not better than Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I never, I I don't think I ever thought that. Um, it it sort of goes. It's my my list, quote unquote, shifts so much, you know, that it's hard for me to say. But as of right now. I'd say The Force Awakens probably third for me. Third, fourth, somewhere around there. I still yeah, prefer I it than, than the prequels. And I love the prequels, but I still, you know, still prefer it. I think its pacing and its story and its execution is still better than the prequels. Right. I also learned that I like Kylo Ren with his mask on more than his mask off. Oh, I that as soon as I came out of the theater, I was like... Motherfucker should have kept that mask on. I understand, you know, it it, it would have been silly, um, especially in the the confrontation with Han Solo and uh, Adam Driver does. I mean, as much as I'm not a huge fan of him, he does kill it in that scene with him and Han Solo through facial expressions alone. So I I see where it adds to the movie, but damn, put a mask on that dude, keep it under wraps. Yeah, I would have. Uh, I would have. Nah, I think they did it right. I just, I just like him better with it on. I think yeah. it's the voice. That's why. Oh the yeah, mystery, the voice, the mystique, voice definitely makes it. You know, I think you know Adam Driver did a fucking great job acting <laughs> through a mask. Yeah, his body language. There's this one scene um, when he's talking to the Vader helmet in his his quarters, and um, when he says, "I feel it again," the pull to the light. The way he sort of drops his shoulders and like shakes his head, man, it it works. 
Like he, it's hard that, you know, that's something I got to give him. I can only imagine it's hard trying to convey those sort of things through body language alone when you can't see their facial expressions or the look in their eyes, you know, and, um, and that, and, and just some of the other things like just the way he holds his shoulders and, and his, his posture and stuff just gets the point across so well that, um, he comes off as really menacing and, and scary when he's not being sort of a, a, uh, angry bitch. Yeah. Which he does do a couple of times. And another line that bugs me now. Right. And it, it, it bugged me day one too, but now it really just gets under my skin. There's still light in him instead of there's still good in him. When Leia says talking to Han about Kylo, there's right. still light in him. And I'm right. like, God damn it, lady. Fucking just say there's good in him. Like the line's supposed to go from Jedi. <laughs> it just it just sounds so awkward. And then it cuts to uh, Harrison Ford and he gives a look. And I'm like and I'm and, and in my head, I'm like, he's thinking the same thing I'm thinking. They should have just like, said. Did you good. just say there's light in him? Yep. So, um, did you have anything you wanted to talk about or discuss before we call it a night? It's over already? Yeah, man. Flew by. Should I? Uh, um, I have my Yoda sheath Palpatine uh, argument, but do you want to hold off until Will and Goose, we make it like a, a foursome? Or do you want to? I mean, we could do that. We could do that. That's up to you, my friend. Do you want to get into it with just little old me? Or do you want to call in some some further experts and have you and Goose versus me and Will in an epic Blue Harvest discussion breakdown? That I, that Listen, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but that, was, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that will be a good-ass time. But uh, I do want to tease it. Can I just tease a little bit? Yeah, give us just give us the cliff notes of what you think. I won't rebut. We'll save that until Will's here and uh, we can really get into it. Kind of like the time, um, you know, the episode before we had Goose on when Will and I just sort of briefly discussed it. Tease this. This is a cliffhanger for a forthcoming episode, couple episodes down the road when we can get the four of us together to really bang this out. Hey, man. This is your boy, Johnny Grasso. <laughs> I, uh, I, I believe that... Uh, my man Goose is 100% correct. That Sheev, Sheev Palpatine, he's a he's a, he's the most powerful uh force user there is. And uh me John Grasso and uh my 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 main main, my main main Goose, we're going to we're going to prove them wrong and uh Sheev Palpatine is 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 the most powerful force user. <laughs> man, that's my boy Johnny right there. He is the nipple on the tit. That's one of my favorite <laughs> Goose sayings. If Goose really likes something, like, you know, when you'd go, oh, that's the tits. Goose likes to be more specific. He likes to <laughs> tell you, no, nah, that's the nipple on the tit. Man, that, that's, the, that's the areola right there. <laughs> well, dude. It, it doesn't even have hair. <laughs> oh, shit. How's uh, my Goose coming along? Is it getting good? It's getting there, man. You know. He's, got, he's a little deeper, though. Yeah, he's man, little... Goose got mine. Come on, man. Man, come on, man. <laughs> well dude thanks so much for helping me out and uh helping our listeners avoid another hall solo show yeah it, and not for nothing like 
I'm your boy, man. I'm your friend. I love you. You don't have to lie to me and say Will's here to get me to come on. I'd come on without Will anyway, you know? You don't have to trick me. (laughs) Well, you know. I'm fucking looking around the Skype screen like, where the fuck is Will? Where's Will? All of a sudden, he's like, yeah, Will couldn't be here tonight. And he doesn't, he tells the audience before he tells me. I'm like looking around the fucking, trying to look behind my laptop, trying to find Will. Where's Will? Where's Will? <laughs> it's like uh, my cats. Sometimes I'll watch videos on YouTube, and my cats will get all squirrely, and they'll run up looking behind the, the TV to see if what's on the TV is behind there. Because, you know, they're not the right. brightest sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Do you have anything you'd like to plug for our good listeners before we go? Um, please listen to Rogue One, a Star Wars podcast. Uh, one spelt with a W. Uh, you can find it wherever you can find podcasts. I have two amazing co-hosts, Mr. Hawes Burkhart and Michael Pappas. What's up? Mike. What's up? What's up? What's that? <laughs> Who's the asshole who goes, yo? Because that's don't know. annoying. I don't know, but he sounds handsome as shit. I don't know. Yeah, he might be, but that's annoying. <laughs> but, um... I'm on Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter. I changed my Twitter name to protect the innocent. My Twitter name is Rogue1Johnny, one spelled with a W again, at Rogue1Johnny on Twitter. Um, I'm not on I'm on Facebook, but that's just for my mom, so don't don't bother with Facebook because I'm never on it. But Rogue One Podcast, the Star Wars Podcast for Winners, is on Facebook, so check that out. And obviously check out... Um, making star wars now this is podcasting i have a weekly segment uh on that one so uh you know check those out and uh obviously blue harvest which is uh my favorite personal podcast oh man well uh, i didn't do it at the beginning but if you would like to like us on facebook you can at facebook.com slash blue harvest podcast you can follow us on twitter at blue harvest pod and you can email us at blue harvest podcast at gmail.com and uh, I think that's going to about do it for this week, buddy. Um, you got any closing remarks? No, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I'll do, I love it. I love the show. Well, you, our good listeners can look forward to another appearance coming up here uh, shortly where we will try to unite the four of us to break down this whole Yoda Insidious thing. The Royal Rumble. Goose. Oh, we got him. Still cage match. We got him. Oh, okay. If... Goose, I've always said this. If Goose was a professional wrestler, he would be Stone Cold Steve Austin. If I was a professional wrestler, I'd be Mick Foley. Who would you be? Who's the guy? um, There's got to be someone who's like conceited and arrogant who thinks he's too good looking. Who's that? Brett the Hitman Hart? I I guess so. Heartbreaker? Ah, there you go. Johnny that's, be- his, that's who he was, right? That was his thing? Or I think Bruce you're right. Beefcake? No, <laughs> Brett the Hitman Hart. There you go. I'm going to go Brett the Hitman Hart. Because he thought go. he was a ladies' man with his fucking, like, Oakley blades and shit. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> so the, bad. The Oakley shades make it, man. <laughs> the fucking blades. The But, dude, I I have. You know how many pairs of those I have? The, uh, well, the blades? I mean, you're into baseball. Isn't that oh, like a requirement you, for baseball players? Get out of my head. You do this to me all the time. <laughs> we are, I swear to God, like, remember when you said in your drunk email how we were, like, best friends in a former life? Mm-hmm. 
like you fucking you're in my head that's see i wanted to make fun of myself and say that i had like five pair of them and then i wanted you to make fun of me like no 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 no. but they're like that's what baseball players use and and uh you fucking all in my shit you just ruined you're you're a walking spoiler you're a johnny grosso spoiler (laughs) my bad dude i didn't mean to take the punchline away Nah, it's whatever fine no but but you're right yes I have five pairs of those, and I wanted people to laugh at me and call me a dork, and then I wanted to say it's because of baseball. Well, my bad. But thanks again, buddy. And uh, like uh, you said, if you want to hear us every other week on Thursdays, you can hear us on Rogue One, the Star Wars podcast for winners. This is a little crossover episode for that ass. Um, (laughs) But until next week, for Blue Harvest Podcast, I'm Halls Burkhart. I'm Johnny Grasso. May the force be with you. May the force be with us. Always.